It's Wellness Wednesdays. It's Wellness Wednesdays. And Scout's on my lap. You see his tail here. Um, Slimer, why are you shunning? It's like he's waiting for a food order to show up or something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's Wellness Wednesday. And I'm uh, devoting this Wellness Wednesday to something that has been coming up a lot in one-on-one um, -on -one sessions with clients. Uh, and I've been saying it so often that I thought I'd make a video about it so I can really unpack because here I can, you know, uh, talk for 20 minutes when I'm not on someone's dime. Uh, if you'd like to sign up for a, a personal one-on-one -on -one session, there's a link in the description box to the form. If you'd like to help support these one-on-one -on -one sessions where this content is, is inspired by, help support this channel, become a monthly patron, patreon.com slash Leanna K, K or buy a one-time Leanna Care session for someone who can use it but can't afford it, coffee.com slash Leanna K, or help fund the men's network, GoFundMe. Yeah, link in the description box below. Um, if I seem a little spacey, I had to get a new phone the day I'm recording this. And there were so many choices that I'm just sort of right now. And then when I got, when I went into the mall, it was also, um, got blasted by something and like my vision immediately went blurry and I was having trouble breathing. So I am in a bit of a compromised state. Getting a new phone sucks. But anyway, this is not, this is neither here nor there. I want to talk about standards and the standards you set for yourself and the standards you set for other people. And when it's good to set higher standards for yourself and when it's actually not. This is a bit complicated, so if you feel called out or anything like that, individual mileage varies, and you are ultimately the person who is going to make this choice. I'm just giving you some guideposts for your decision-making. At High Scout, yes. Now, can I control what Scout's doing here right now? No. Uh, yes, buddy. Um, so, yeah. I have talked to a lot of people who have self-worth, self-concept and self-esteem issues to me they're a little different uh they're different things if you want more on that leave a comment i'll talk about it on friday hello scouty uh but when you constantly feel like you're failing your self-esteem and sense of self-worth takes a hit you know you can still have a self-concept of being a good and moral person but you feel like a big ass failure because you're setting the bar so high for yourself that no human being could possibly meet those expectations. And there is a difference between goals, you know, what you'd like to eventually do someday, and expectations, meaning what you're expecting from yourself today. And yeah, a lot of people set expectations for themselves that are too high and set expectations for other people that are too low. And what happens there is you end up getting a cycle of awful. You always feel like a failure because you're not meeting your own standards and you're not you're feeling unloved or unappreciated or unvalidated because the standards you've set for other people are so low that you're not getting your needs met. And there's a way to balance that out. So, for instance, 
you never have to accept poor treatment. You may have to tolerate it because it's a boss or somebody else you need to get through to get something done, but you don't have to accept it, right? And what's the difference? Well, tolerating it means mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just sitting through it. But you don't have to accept that it's valid. You can believe they're wrong and sit there and take it, right? You, you don't have to believe that other people are an authority on you. It's better, in fact, to have a few people that you actually trust aren't going to abuse the privilege of, uh, of giving their opinion. Uh, you, you may notice that I will, like I said, if you want to hear more about this, leave a comment. I will ask for feedback. You know, with the bubble heads on It's Not Therapy, there are times, all right, guys, what do you think? And those are forums for people to have their say. And, you know, part of the reason I picked the people I did for that inner circle is because I actually, you know, value um, what they're saying. There are other people I'll listen to because they'll preface something with, do you want a piece of totally unsolicited feedback and you don't have to listen to it at all? It's like, okay, we've, we've set a boundary for this conversation, so awesome. Now, sometimes I have to tolerate shittiness in the comments section. I don't have to accept their right. You know, that's the difference. I will tolerate somebody going off about a touchy subject, but I will make it clear to them what I will accept going forward. And if you, this is the great thing about setting higher standards for other people that you can communicate is that you you find out who really has your back, you know? Um, for instance, somebody may not know right away that you don't particularly like something or that something is a trigger to you. And you have to pick your battles for triggers because if you have too many of them, people are going to go, nope this is impossible to navigate and people have the right to make that decision you know it may not feel fair but if if somebody has to walk on eggshells around you they they are gonna have the choice to not be around you everybody has the right to make that choice no one must deal with you but you also don't have to deal with those other people. It goes both ways. And recognizing in your head, especially with things like social media where there's a block button, you know, your, you know, who you choose to follow, all that stuff. You're choosing to interact with certain people. And a lot of people don't feel like they have that choice because they're too afraid of the consequences of the block. Now, I have this one person. I'm waiting until a situation dies down to, to block them. Uh, part of it is I'm, it's on Facebook and I'm just not on Facebook very much. So um, it, it doesn't really matter to me. But I eventually want to block them because after something happened, I've just decided I'm done. I don't want them in my life. I don't want to associate with them. I want to make it very clear. I don't want to talk to you anymore. But I am going to wait until it's died down a bit because I don't want the screaming. 
that's a valid choice because I could, um, I, I could block them right now and deal with the hysterics. Sometimes I do. Uh, but at this time, I don't want to in part because it involves a third party and I don't want them to have to deal with the screaming. But I'm not just going to let this person who I, I now think does not have the requisite emotional maturity or sense of respecting boundaries to be in my life. And if you have any trauma condition, the people around you must respect boundaries. They don't have to like them, but they have to respect them. And part of that is respecting other people's boundaries as well. There's been a lot going on. I've, I've been hearing from a lot of people who have these people in their lives who just monopolize their time. We've all got that person, you know, who if you tell them you only have 30 minutes, you'll, you'll, it'll be two hours and you're still trying to get off the phone with them, right? Or Discord or whatever. Uh, as opposed to the people when you say, I only have 30 minutes, they might stretch it to 35 if they're in a really, really bad way, but they respect your time, right? That's a big difference because, you know, that person should be recognizing they don't like it when they really have to go somewhere and someone is not respecting their time. So they shouldn't be doing it to other people. But I know a lot of good people who that, if it is going on consistently, that is someone without a respect for boundaries. It's one thing to go, look, when can I call you back? I'm really struggling. And, and then there's just ignoring the time. And people, that, that's another thing with me. Um, I only grant access to people who respect my time. And because I don't have much free time. I have been having trouble booking like blood work and eye doctor's appointments lately. So, you know, someone who's fucking around that way, I may think they're great people, but it is not a good fit in terms of ongoing association. And that's no one's fault. It just is. And that can seem mean at first, but it's not. Because any trauma condition, this is what the, the trauma therapist told me every week when I was in intensive trauma therapy. And it was the one thing I really, really resisted. But she was right. And once I started doing it, it was great. She was adamant because it was a stalking situation and still is that anybody that isn't respecting boundaries including the boundary of no I can't be around anyone who is associating with this stalker because you could inadvertently be giving her information on me if somebody didn't respect that they had to go if somebody wasn't uh, with the program in terms of recovery, they had to go. If somebody wasn't respecting specific triggers, they had to go. Now, I mean, triggers usually are fairly specific and 
you know, people overuse the idea of a trigger. Being made uncomfortable is not a trigger. A trigger is when you are no longer in the present, right? You're, it's triggering a flashback. It's triggering a, you know, uh, avoidant shutdown. Like it's, it's triggering a dissociation, uh, that kind of stuff. And obviously those are very specific. They're different person to person, uh, which is why the whole trigger warnings thing was nonsense. And you notice that's kind of gone away. Yeah. Um, that's the way these things work. Uh, people try them for a while, realize this is ridiculous, especially when they get overused and they fade. Um, but in terms of that standard, here's the mantra. No one but the person behaving poorly is responsible for them behaving poorly. So in that case, it's better to set a higher standard for yourself, right? They're behaving poorly. That reflects on them. I'm not going to behave poorly because it's going to reflect on me. Now, what's considered poor behavior is a little bit subjective, especially on social media. You know, some people feel like it's totally fair to dunk on people that are being assholes. Um, and I understand that. I People get a lot of rope before I start playing that game. Because th there's a lot of things like English may not be a person's first language. You don't necessarily know where in the world they are, uh, so on and so forth, you know, especially on social media. You don't know if somebody's neurodivergent, you, you, you know, um, if it's a troll account, have at it, but consider that if it's a troll account, you're playing their game. Now, some troll accounts are not the old fashioned concept of trolling that you know, was doing it because it's funny. That's still, to me, what a troll is. It's got to be humor, humorous. It's got to be kind of clever. Um, you know, Mark Hamill uh, saying something on social media to see if Fox News would run a screaming headline on a story he was flat out saying was fake in a follow-up tweet. That's a good troll. Just flinging you know, like insults at some cheap insults or slurs or put downs. That's not trolling to me. That's just being an asshole. Um, and it is perfectly fine for you to set whatever boundaries on your social media that you want. When we get into the real world, it's different. Because, I mean, even on social media, some people get caught up in the adrenaline rush of things. Dog piles are rough that way. Um, but when you're in the real world and someone is coming at you, uh, it can be very, very hard to not respond in kind because we have mirror neurons. And that's when it's really important to go... Their behavior reflects on them. My behavior reflects on me. And I not respond in kind. 
this is something that's really important for trauma survivors because of the self-blame cycle. If you allow yourself that weak moment that you give back, a lot of people with PTSD, emphasis on the disordered part, are not good at the self-forgiveness when you slip. And this is when the second part of the standards, when you should lower that bar, come in. Because if you have a trauma condition, if you are avoidant, if you dissociate, I can almost guarantee you some of your standards for yourself are too high. Some of your standards regarding who you associate with are too low. I want to balance those out. And that doesn't mean you can't set high standards for yourself. But a lot of people with who end up with PTS are the one everybody comes to, their rescuer or protector personalities who feel good helping other people. They're the one that never asks for anything and everybody comes to them. The problem that develops is when someone's always taking and they're never able to give this resentment forms. And sometimes that's why there's a pattern of people turning on you or resenting you because they start getting this inferiority complex and they start getting this sense that, oh, you think you're better than me. It's projection. You don't think you're better than them. But it is better if you recognize this pattern to set higher standards for people and not ridiculous, right? Like it's the sort of thing of, um, for me, proper apologies are incredibly important. I do not accept, I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm sorry you took it that way. That is just done uh-uh for me. Because it's games. And the thing is, if you say that's a non-apology apology, someone who just slipped will go, you're right, let me try that again. Someone who is fucking around will go, too bad, I apologized. It had the word, I'm sorry. Some people, some people claim they apologize and don't include the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize. And... That's a political talking point that is entered common speech because it's seen as weak to apologize. The person, I think this is what sunk the Clinton presidential campaign because the remarks that were given to her, because, you know, nothing she said on certain things wasn't workshop by a team of 20 people. Uh, and that was the problem. She came across as inauthentic because everything was pre-canned. But she'd say... I regret this, not I apologize for this or I'm sorry for this. And I really think that the public wanted from her to hear, I know I've made mistakes. I'm sorry for those mistakes. I'm not going to make those mistakes again. And that's why you should vote for me. I've already done all this screwing up and it won't be repeated. And... You know, the political playbook is don't apologize. And I think that is outdated. I think people now, I've seen it on on uh, social media that 
if somebody issues a sincere apology for what they did, not how it was taken, people are willing to forgive. Now, you shouldn't apologize just to get out of trouble if you didn't think you did anything wrong. That's, this sounds strange, but this is actually a standard that should be inviolate because in order to re in order to have trust and a lot of people with trauma have trouble rebuilding trust uh and trusting other people people have to know you say what you mean and you mean what you say and you have to rely on the fact that other people say what they mean and mean what they say and so if you're in a social group where people apologize because it's expected not for something they're sincerely sorry for there is no trust because when they apologize, you don't know whether it's a sincere apology or whether they're just apologizing to get a, a, a certain outcome. They want you to not be mad at them or something like that. And when it is that, that is, and this is a hard thing to learn. When you are saying something to somebody trying to get an outcome that is not in their best interests, that is a manipulation. And I see this everywhere and people don't see it for what it is. So if you're withholding information from somebody because they're going to say no, if they know it, that's manipulative. If you're apologizing just to get something to stop or just so a person won't leave, even if you don't think you did anything wrong, that is a manipulation. And you can feel like you have to, but you don't. One of the things about trauma recovery is all about this is what I can control. This is what I can't control. And if your higher standard for yourself than anybody else is based on a fear of abandonment, that's not actually setting a high standard. That's having no boundaries, no standards. And yes, it is not... It is an abuse tactic if someone is constantly testing you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, you have a small conflict with somebody. They either handle it well or they handle it not well. And if somebody handles it well, they're going to get more grace going forward, at least with me, right? If somebody handles screwing up really well and they don't, they don't repeat the screw ups, Sometimes it happens because it's a learning curve. But, you know, if it's not the same thing again and again and again, oh my God, they get way more license than somebody who can't admit they fucked up. That's because when I fuck up, I want that in return. I don't want to have to be perfect. I want to be able to say, especially with my scheduling because it gets so burned out and I've been, you know, missing people's events and things like that lately because I just, I just can't. There are times I'm just like zoning out because I'm so overextended and I'll say, oh my God, I'm sorry. Time got away from me. And th there's really nothing else to it. A lot of the time I just zoned for 40 minutes. Just, Right. And they understand because 
we we have no bullshit policy. But somebody who I think is constantly making excuses, am I going to believe them when they flake like that? Not so much. You know, it's all about balance. It's all about do you really feel like somebody's actually trying to do better and just struggling? Or whether they're, oh, I'm so sorry, just so they don't have to do better. Because, you know, you're supposed to accept the apology. And, you know, before I got diagnosed, I was part of some really toxic groups where it was supposed to be, I'm sorry, and then I'm sorry too. And even if you weren't sorry, you were supposed to say, I'm sorry too. And, and I'm sorry you feel that way was an I'm sorry. And it was wrong in these groups to go, don't apologize for my feelings. Those people are all gone from my life. Because it was a sign that well, I believe they were abusive. I know they weren't good for me. And that's another thing we can get into another day, what you believe versus what you know. But this is about standards. Healthy goals are based on things you can control. I know that's an it's not therapy top 10 phrase. There's a reason for that. Because if you're one, setting standards for yourself based on the approval of other people, you can't control other people. That's not a healthy goal. If you're setting standards that are inhumanly high, that is actually going to do increased damage in the long run. And one of the big turning points I found with recovering, turning PTSD into PTS, not disordered, is recognizing I made a mistake, recognizing I am human and humans make mistakes. And for me, my standard is, as long as my intentions were good, I meant no harm. And it was, it just didn't go my way. I'm not going to beat myself up over that. You know, I'll apologize for upsetting the person, but I'm not going to, you know, ruminate myself into an anxiety condition, worried going forward that I'm annoying. Uh, you know, covered that on Monday. Um, because you can't control whether someone, some individual finds you annoying. They can, you could remind them of an ex-girlfriend they didn't like. They can want to dismiss you because you're making them think. There can be a whole bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with you or objective truth as to why they would have that opinion. Opinions are not facts. And annoying is always an opinion. It's always an opinion. It's a subjective. Because what one person finds super annoying, another person could find fun, right? You can't set your watch to that. You can't set your standards to that. Are you working on it? That's what matters. If you're working on it, what you can expect is an improvement, not perfection. And trying to be perfect actually slows you down because you're never going to be. The number of times with 
uh, clients, I'll say something. And the minute I say it, I realized it came out wrong. I'm like, that sounded really bad. Let me back up. Sorry about that. And it's interesting because I, I think that modeling that self-compassion is really important because a lot of the time, these are people who people don't apologize to them. People don't show them enough caring to actually do that. And the, the number of those, it's okay, you don't have to apologize. And it's like, yeah, but I wanted to. It, you know, on principle, I shouldn't have said that. It came out wrong. I'm sorry. And I'll, I'll say, because what I want them to get is that that doesn't take much out of a person. So the people that aren't doing that, ask yourself why. It is a completely reasonable standard. And it's just being a good manager as far as I'm concerned. Because like I said, it's about modeling the behavior that... Because you don't want people covering up mistakes. You know, if you identify a mistake or you identify a problem early, you can do something about it. If, if you let it fester, that's worse. So creating an environment where everybody has the same rules and everybody has the same standards takes the pressure off of you because then you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to stress all the time that you're secretly irritating people because you know that the people around you have high enough standards that they're not going to be around somebody who annoys them. It's the same way I say, if I'm mad at you, you'll know. I say this to people all the time and they don't believe me until I say, yeah, I'm pissed at you. Uh, and I, the thing is, I don't really get angry at people too often there's always a reason I get angry at issues often but people it's it's sparing um except on twitch where it's regular but that's because it's twitch that's because a lot comes at you but you know part of the reason I do call people on bullshit there is because I'm not going to expect people to sit there and take bullshit in the comments so they can watch me. People have to feel like I'm going to have their back when they show up and give me their time and possibly their money. See, that's a standard for myself. Do I always want to do it? No. Am I refining how I do it? Yes. Am I going to keep doing it? Fuck yeah, because those people matter to me. The people that show up and behave are more important to me than the people that show up and say bullshit. And, oh, you're going to lose a fan. I don't care. Because anybody who actually understands and supports what I do doesn't knowingly misgender people, doesn't act like a dick just because you can't, isn't a bully, and tries to treat everyone with respect and kindness. And that sometimes means doing some things you don't understand, but take really nothing from you, but a bit of confusion to make another person more comfortable because you're trying to tell them you care about them. You care about their comfort because you know what? You deserve that. You deserve people who care about your comfort. You deserve people who will hold you to commitments it's very important to hold people to commitments because otherwise they're not commitments. But people hold you to commitments. 
But when you are overtaxed, you're honest and they understand. That is what you need to heal. That is what you need for your brain to come out of constant freeze, fight, fawn, or flight mode. And that's what, you know, that constant, am I annoying? Am I annoying? Am I boring? Am I boring? That's your brain constantly scanning for danger. You can't come out of it. But the only way to do that is to know that you've got a system, you've got a group where if somebody isn't saying something's wrong, either nothing's wrong or there's a reason they're not saying so and they're owning that. You know, sometimes somebody going through a really bad time can be driving me nuts, but I know they're going through a really bad time and... uh. What I'll do is it gets too much is I'll set a boundary, but I won't chastise or punish them because they didn't know. You know, they didn't know until I told them and I take ownership for that. But those systems only work if everybody does it. And if you're setting a higher standard for yourself in that regard, than you're setting for other people. You are going to feel used. You are going to feel like it's not reciprocal. Because a lot of people won't start doing that until they have to. Even good people. It's amazing how many people just are not aware. And if you don't insist on it, they will take liberty after liberty after liberty after liberty. You also don't want somebody to be afraid to ask you for things because they think that's the thing that's going to make you snap. Right? And that's why it's really important to say no when you can't do it. Um... So these are all the things that you shouldn't have a higher standard for yourself than other people. Where you should, to recap, have a higher standard for yourself is on behavior. Just because somebody else is acting out doesn't mean you have to. It's, there's never an excuse to lash out just because somebody's lashing out at you. Now, if you crack and you do lash out, it happens with trauma. You know, part of the reason I've set these rules for myself is so I don't feel so threatened that I lash out because I know I have a fight response. Inner Kratos, you know. Um, so I don't want that. I don't want to misread something and take something out on somebody who doesn't deserve it. So I have my checklist in my head. And that... Just because someone else is behaving badly doesn't mean you have to. You're responsible for your behavior. They're responsible for theirs. That is a breaker against, I may be having an internal trauma response. I'm not having an external trauma response. Because feelings are always valid. Poor behavior isn't. And that's the one exception to equal standards. Because... I already said this before, but I'll say it in a different way. So it sits. You think somebody's coming at you. So you lash out at them. What if you're wrong and they had no idea? Then you feel like a dick, right? And feeling like a dick there is avoidable. Instead of lashing out, you can say, look, I need to slow this down. Can we back up? Or, you know, just, I need you to stop calling me that. I'm happy to talk to you about this, but I need you to not do that. 
these are imminently reasonable requests. And if a person refuses to honor them, that is about them, not about you. And at that point, you have to wonder if this is somebody you want to keep around. Now, you may have to. A lot of dissociative or avoidant conditions are tied to people who had caregivers who abused them emotionally. Um or partners or but you will find that the people you think you need that you can't live without no a lot of the people you can't it'll hurt but something hurting because it's like that's it sucks that that happened is very different than it's my fault hurt is not the same as guilt or shame and if you're taking everything on yourself and not having any standards or very low standards for the people around you, you're going to end up blaming yourself for a lot of things that are not your fault. Try it. Baby steps. See if it works. Help support this channel. Become a monthly patron. Patreon.com slash Leanna K. Or buy a one-time Leanna Care session for somebody who could use it but can't afford it. Coffee.com slash Leanna K. Or the GoFundMe, the Men's Network. All the links are in the description box below. Thanks for watching and be well.